This is Father Bonaventure Chapman. And this is Father Patrick Briscoe. Welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcast. Father Patrick Mary, happy November. November, November. Just November. Yeah. No. Uh, it's, it's the kind of... I like November... Well, November is both wonderful and terrifying for me. Mm-hmm. Because I never feel like I do fall well. Um, I feel like fall catches up. It's the it's my favorite season. Um, and I want to do fall excellently, virtuously live fall. And I always feel like November is your last chance to be reminded, hey, you know, you still got some candy corn that you could eat. Uh, you should still like go and play, you know, touch leaves. Like we have those, we have that beautiful dogwood that turn out in our, our cloister that turns the leaves turn really red and get kind of leathery, leathery, and so you get to like touch. That's a beautiful thing. I love that. Um, warm drinks, hot cider. I always think, oh, I want some apple cider or something. I'm sure it's just nostalgia for childhood. But there's something about November, and always it feels like I need to pay more attention to the season at this point because once December arrives, it's Christmas time, and everyone knows that's that's an explosion. That's not a fall event. That's a winter kind of thing. So November is both one of my favorite months of the year and also the, the month like judges me on how well I've lived this this fall. So trepidation. But I suspect November is not mm. as trepidatious for you. Yeah, it's a good point because I think I'd have to admit that fall is a season that I move through rather than properly appreciate. Uh-huh. You know, when I think of fall, I think of the fall Instagram vibe. Right, the colors, the kind of warm tones. Yeah. You know, it just got it just all washes over you. You have a certain set of expectations for all. You mentioned the 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 smells and mm-hmm. some of the other some of the other things that you sense in the season. That crisp autumn air. You didn't quite say that, but uh, but I I, yeah. I expected that coming. But but it's something that I don't pay a lot of attention to. Yeah. Uh, because usually fall is just what's what's going on and you're moving. And I find myself, you know, increasingly just moving through it, even though I want to love the aesthetic of it. That's the because thing. It seems like it has the most possibility for aesthetic success. Well, do you have any favorite fall memories from from childhood? Is there a thing you always did, you all did in the fall, or do you think you say, "Yeah, that was great"? I wish you know, it's, like I think for yeah. for me, um, raking leaves and jumping in. I think I remember doing this in the front yard. You'd rake all those leaves up and then you jump in the big piles and kind of roll around in them. Uh, that's a that was a particular sense delight you could say right. as a child. We raked a lot of leaves in the house yeah. we had growing up. There were a lot of trees. And my father was kind of always at war with the grass in the backyard, trying to get it to grow under those trees. So we did, we did, we did quite a bit of that. Um, I would say though that probably the most fall thing in my childhood was going for a walk after Thanksgiving dinner okay. with Grandma and Grandpa Briscoe. All right. Okay, Delightful. because I I just remember the whole family getting the getting coats on and then the stroll around the neighborhood on on Thanksgiving, usually on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, because of how again because of how the weather felt, the family being there, everybody had just watched the meal. We were on our way back to watch. Everyone had just eaten the meal. We we're on our way back to watch football. That's right. Yeah, you don't watch the food on Thanksgiving. You consume it. You consume it. You watch it. Yeah, <laughs> you watch some of it, but there's a lot of it to watch. You could say and a lot of it to consume. Yeah, it is. A, and Thanksgiving is such a, a delightful time for Americans. I remember being over in England, and. Uh, and I mean, hard fi- time finding turkey and the kind mm. of right fixing things because we just do it well. I think we right. do. Um, it, there's an episode in this season that has do- in- involves gluttony, and Thanksgiving is the season is the time where you might worry about that. But it's a time where we all say, you know, <laughs> it's just the time to celebrate. It's like Easter. 
you can eat as many chocolate bunnies as you want, basically, uh, for that one night. You know, you're good to go in that octave at that time period. So I do, I do love the the fall for for that Thanksgiving especially. But um, we're not talking about fall per se, even though we're getting the mood for this sort of thing and nostalgia. Um, we're talking about an issue that, well, is a little more serious. Uh, the episode is once saved, always saved, and I think we both thought it'd be good to mention or talk about this particular issue because. Catholics sometimes get asked by our separated brethren, uh, Protestants, especially evangelicals, about have you been saved before? So have do you have an experience of being asked, have you been saved before? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Do you <laughs> remember I, any uh, particular of, cases? So, of course, as a, as a Catholic, uh, as, a young, as a young Catholic, um, you know, the, the question would come up from time to time um, from friends who were not Catholic, um, and I grew up with uh, knowing a number of evangelicals, um, so, you know, so it was a common question. And as a as a young Catholic, uh, I did not have an answer to that. Oh, interesting. You know, so I so I remember being in being in these conversations uh, a few times in my in my youth, um, where people would ask, "Have you been saved?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I yes. just said I had no idea what the question meant, what the context was, and then usually you get a follow up like, "Well, have you accepted Jesus in your heart?" Yeah. And if you got that, then you would have something to say, and that that kind of clarified it for me. Yes. But, but when asked. Had I been saved, I, I, had, I had no idea what to say. Yes. I had no response for one way or the other because yes, I, you I didn't know, what, know if you I didn't had know been what saved. Was, I what, didn't know what they were asking. Uh, exactly. I had no yeah. idea what the term was. Yeah, yeah. So. That's fascinating. So I grew up in, in well, in a, in a kind of a Protestant, a Protestant background and family um, and only became an evangelical, you could say, right, right at college time. So I, I wasn't around many evangelicals, but when... Uh, I was in college, and I started getting this kind of question when I was around more evangelicals, even though I was I would consider myself an evangelical. I was always an infant baptism man. So they would always ask me, uh, you know, oh, so have you been saved? And I would almost always say, yeah. And say, oh, when, when, when was it? You know, and it's, ah, it's hard to remember. I was, uh, I was very young. I mean, a couple months, I think, old. And uh, there were people speaking around me, I think, and I had pictures of it, but I don't remember it, you know. And this always got them, got a rise <laughs> out of them. But it was because mm. a similar like lack of understanding what the question was, although I knew what they were asking. But the kind of this isn't the right kind of question. Even then, before I had Catholic, entirely Catholic sim- sympathies and sensibilities, you could say, um, I realized this is a strange question. And but it is one that in America we have plenty of our evangelical brethren. And plenty of people that are asking, and even Catholics might say, well, what, what do we think about salvation? As Dominicans, we talk a lot about God's grace and him being sovereign and him being in charge and him being the one that chooses and elects and all of this stuff. Um, and it sounds, it can sound a lot like a Protestant view of God just deciding, you know, in the way we have in the Calvinistic framework. If you're, if you're a Calvinist, you might think about double predestination, this kind of choosing, those will be saved and those will be damned. And you might think, oh, well, do we, we don't believe that, do we? But then there's the other side of, well, is it really then up to us? I've always heard that was kind of a, uh, a silly thing to do. Um, that can't be right. It can't really be up to me, right? But, it's, but it can't not be up to me, my salvation. It's too important. I don't have a part of it. But I can't have the whole part. So I think this whole question, um, are you saved or can you lose your salvation or once saved, always saved, what is salvation, I think raises some really good points, um, and although it, people might think it's complicated, we can at least talk about some of the issues involved here and learn a lot about what 
what it means to be a Catholic, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and what his role in that is, and our participation in it. Yeah, so I think you've, you've done a great job of laying out, laying out some, some of the places to start. Mm. And one, one of them, when we find ourselves in these conversations, is certainly to clarify what is, what is being asked. Yes. Because there's a difference in, in saying, well, do you agree with my understanding of salvation? Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that's part of what, when the question is posed, that's part of what it implies, right? Are you saved? And mm-hmm. what the person is offering to you is an entire interpretation of the Gospels and of Christian life. Right, mm-hmm. and but they're not yep. laying it out for no. you. They're, they're assuming just saying, that you all, you, yeah, you've heard this. Their you ascend? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a kind of insistence of a framework that maybe we don't understand, right? So, so we have to work to clarify all those terms, um, mm-hmm. and we've kind of laid out too already, you know. And I, I love your response. Oh yes, I was baptized, you know, but I don't really remember. It. And people are yeah. kind of narrating that. That was excellent, um, because of because of course the the sacraments are are. Are a, are a beautiful expression of our life of grace, and then the, then you moved from the sacraments there, talking about well, well, God as a, as a certain mover, um, the the primacy of God as the mover um, and the one who bestows grace in our lives. Okay, that that raises a question of agency, and I think beginning to sort through those are important, right? So so are you saved? Um, to ask the sacramental question or invite the sacramental question means to say, well, yes, I have been baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this, so this would be this would be one way of of kind of reframing the conversation and saying, well, I don't know whatever else you mean by salvation, but I, but I am a Christian. Yeah. You know, so so you answer, okay, have you been saved? You say, well, I've been baptized. Yes. Um, and and you mean so so you that's a way of kind of pivoting and, re- and rejecting right maybe a framework that who knows it hasn't really been proposed to you, but 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 asserting, okay, what is it that we have in common? We're, we're disciples of Jesus, right? Okay, I've been baptized. Yes, and I think one of the other things is, uh, just right off the bat, is this is not a, it's not obvious on the biblical account that the question they're asking a Protestant generally we think mm. Protestants know the Bible well, and therefore you know Catholics we do philosophy stuff, and so they're but you know we always feel kind of bad about just having philosophy and we don't and not knowing the Bible as well. But you can be absolutely confident, even if you don't know the Bible verses, that the that the Protestant understanding of salvation as a kind of one-time decree of God that then that you knew about or didn't know about at some point uh, is not in the Scriptures as the only or even the dominant or even a present really option for saved. You have accounts of both being saved, so accounts of, of having been saved in the Scriptures Paul talks about, also on the way of salvation, being saved, uh, and then, and like in the process, and then a future sense of will be saved. And Paul, St. Paul describes Christians along all of these dimensions, that salvation has this past, present, and future dimensions. Also to say that while they might say, there are passages in the scriptures, for instance, Jesus says something like, well, whoever the Father gives to me and I draw will never be lost. So there's a sense in which uh, and we want to agree with our, pro- our our Protestant brethren that salvation is it's up to him. It's really up to God, right? So he says it won't never be lost. At the same time, there's also these pass there's also passages in there where he talks about uh, actually having to work out your salvation. Paul particularly talks about this in Hebrews, where he says, if you've tasted the Holy Spirit, if you've done these things, as Hebrews six and ten mentions twice in that letter actually, and yet fall back there will be no second birth, which he's talking to Christians who have converted and are thinking about going back to Judaism. And that's a situation where, wait, they were saved, 
they're in the family, the covenant family of God in the sacramental way and accept this, but that there is a possibility that they don't persevere, right? So I think with the Catholic sense is we should be attentive to the fact that the biblical witness gives us a really rich account. And that's not to say uh, a muddled account, but rather a, a nuanced and rich account because what are we dealing with here? We're dealing with one, our lives of freedom across space and time, and two, God's action through grace across space and time. And meeting those together means that it, it's, it is complicated. So I think the Catholic sense is, you know, are you saved? Yes, and I hope I continue to be. And that's not to say I'm not. It's not either saved or not, but rather this part of the process. That starts to reframe it a little bit and should give us a little bit of space to be able to affirm both that we are in the process of salvation and that he's the one in charge, um, but also that we're responsible too. We're partners in this in this relationship. And it's avoiding those two things, right? It's a matter of balancing these. Yeah, I really appreciate how you added both the past and the future mm-hmm. witnesses there because, I, because um, you know, as I've thought about the question and discussed it with people, I've, I've insisted a great deal on the middle term that, well, it's it's being worked out. Salvation mm-hmm. is being worked out. Um, but by insisting on the, insisting on the past term, uh, we're able to say, well, no, this ha- this is a work that has been done. Christ did it on Calvary. Mm-hmm. And uh, insisting on on the future term, um, which is that uh, I will know my salvation in a complete way mm-hmm. in the beatific vision, um, gives us the two two kind of poles that oppose immediately the question, are you saved or not, uh, I mm-hmm. think, um, in, in our common discourse. So, so I really like how you added those because, again, you know, my 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 framework would be, um, you know, as I've had these questions and, and engaged them in the past, has has been the middle term. Well, it's being worked out, and I think that that fails to answer some of the some of the questions yep. you're raising. You know, in a in a certain way that that, are, that arise. Um, another thing that happens when you have this conversation about salvation, as we're talking about, is the question about whether or not it can be lost, mm-hmm. and that 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 one I wanted to to articulate in yep. a clear way and come come back to a little bit because. I, I think for, for a Catholic, this, this latter part of the question is really key mm-hmm. because we have such an implicit um, cultural understanding of sin, um, the, the, sense, uh, the, the, the sense that when we've, when we've done something wrong, we ought to go to confession. Um, we know that the life of grace can be destroyed in our hearts, that there, that there are things that can be done that would render us um, unfit to receive Holy Communion, for example, um, mm-hmm. to, to, to sound the resonances of, of some, some of the script, scriptural evidences of that, right? Um, so, so we know that we can, we can be cut off from the body in, in, a, in a certain way in the life of grace. So, so to raise that question, I think, is helpful when it comes to salvation, because it doesn't seem like otherwise you could be cut off from the body, but then have it assured your eternal salvation in one and the same moment. It seems like it's a kind of all-or-nothing all or thing. Yeah, I think there's a sense in in which you could say the the Protestant view, and we'll just give the Protestant view, for instance, in the Calvinist side of things, that salvation is uh, the, the decree on God's behalf that has no relationship to your freedom, more or less, that it's kind of there. And so <laughs> you can't lose it, it's eternally... And so you get these worries in the Protestant circles. I mean, I, I guess that you could want to do everything. You could feel like your life was in the life of grace. You could be loving God, serving Him, but you were not sure... How could you be sure that you weren't actually one of the reprobate, one that he'd chosen to send to hell? 
and create us vessels of wrath, as Paul talks about in Romans 9, as opposed to vessels for glory, the other side of things. And I think it the part of the appeal to the once saved, always saved, and this kind of mentality is to avoid some anxiety. Like, it's not up to me. It's all up his business. But I think that anyone who thinks that through realizes what you say is, is there something actually more deeply unsettling about it? Because we are human beings. We've been created in the image and likeness of God, unlike other animals and plants and things that just are working out according to his will. We have wills and free wills in some capacity that needs to be explained, and that sin actually does make a difference. And it seems weird to say, well, if I've sinned and need to go to confession, um, I must not have been in his good graces in the first place. It's totally counterintuitive. So I think there's a sense, there's a naturalness to the Catholic view of this kind of fragility, uh, potential fertility of grace on our part, right? Our, our dance that we play with the Lord that we could misstep, this sort of thing. But at the same time, once we realize that, I think we need to also realize that it's God who is the author of salvation, right? And that at the end of the day, uh, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The baptism is not a ratification of our goodness that we'll do in the future, but rather uh, an election by him to start the process and to give us the grace to do what we need to do, which is to follow him in his walk. So it's, it's a balancing act of, although it looks easy and safe, the kind of Protestant once saved, always saved, I think it's more, an- there's anxiety there of not, how do you know? You know, and then it runs into hubris, like, well, how do, but the Catholic one seems more anxiety prone, like, oh, I could lose my salvation, I could be out of his grace. But I think we all know that in relationships, unlike law decrees, you can step out from someone's love for a moment. Mm, mm. But it doesn't mean that you've given up on that person, or especially that they've given up on you. Uh, and that's the point of grace, is, is it's continuing him searching to us. So, there's that balance, but paradoxically, I think the Catholic model, even though it seems like it's more precarious, um, is actually more realistic and more hopeful than, say, the Protestant model, which is can borderline on some fatalism. And I speak, by the way, I speak as being a card-carrying <laughs> Calvinist double predestination man. When I was in college, I drove around with, with a Jeep Cherokee that had a license plate that said John Calvin on it. And I always was a five-point Calvinist. So anyone knows, I'm, sign- I'm doing some Calvinist signaling right now, Synod of Dort <laughs> stuff. So I, and I would, I would defend double predestination to the hilt with everyone. When I took uh, t- uh, theology classes here and we studied predestination, unlike most of our class we were in, they were wondering, how could Thomas believe that it's God who saves alone? You know, it's his grace, this sort of thing. I was wondering, is Thomas serious enough about God? <laughs> so I don't mean to mock Protestants and Calvinists not knowing. I speak to myself. Mm. It's like confe- mm. it's like Augustine's confessions. Mm. So I deeply know the desires of this Calvinism thing. And I but and, and but I'm also attentive to the the humanity aspect uh, that needs to be involved in this question because it is about freedom and sovereignty, grace and nature, these these matters that are beautiful and relational and complicated. Yeah, there's so much that's just implied. Because again, the question when you first raise it sounds very simple. Yep. Especially if it's followed by, "Well, have you accepted Jesus into your heart?" And so, uh, so that, so that 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 follow up, you know, which which I mentioned, which often accompanies the question, I think signals that 
signals that importance of the of the working out. And I loved Father Bonaventure the way that you frame that in in the sense of relationship, mm-hmm. um, because I think I think that's the right answer to say I I have a living relationship with the Lord, um, and that that I am as a disciple following Him, abiding by to the best of my ability, um, and with the help of His grace. I'm abiding by by what he teaches and and shaping my life in that way, and so I think that's that's a good uh, explanation or a good way to flesh out what it means to be on the way, the middle term, mm-hmm. um, that that can provide again a, a further step in the conversation beyond just a simple well, yes or you are you know to, and went to the question you know uh, yeah. have you been saved either yes or no well well we really ought to build up a vocabulary so that we can say more to speak to some of these implicit theological questions and then and then give an example of of what this means in my life. So I say, okay, um, you know, are you on the way? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus in your heart? Uh, the answer is I am a disciple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sit at the feet of the master and I, and I abide by what the master teaches. Yeah. And I think it's important for us as, as Catholics to, uh, to, and I, again, speaking as an ex Protestant is to say, to be confident that it's not an us versus them of like, Oh, they emphasize this and we mm. emphasize this, but rather to say, you know, I have everything you want. Like I have, and then I have other things too. So like as, especially as Thomas, this might be inside baseball, but as Dominicans, we care a lot about grace. We talk about Dominic and the grace of the word and the doctor of grace and all this. And the gust come from an Augustinian tradition as well. We've all this sense that, that God is the one who is the first mover. God is the one who is in charge. We are responding to him. Uh, and we're very much, incl- very much attentive to that. And so we want to affirm with our, anyone who asks you this question, Feel full-throated and say, in so much as I'm, that one can be saved, yes, God is the soul. I am saved by grace alone. Like, I am elected by God. We are all sinners. You can agree entirely with that. Uh, we, none of us would be saved on our own merits. Not, we agree with that. And it's God's the one who elects us. We believe in and teach. The Catholic Church teaches predestination. We believe in this sort of thing. We believe that God is the one who predestines, who chooses who he is going to be friends with. He has this election. This is what he does. But at the same time, we can say now that, but that doesn't mean that we don't have any role to play. He invites us to the dance and takes hold of us and we have to follow his motion. And if, if in the mystery of the relationship between God's will and human freedom, uh, we are not to be saved at the end of the day, in the eschaton, the final point of it, it's not because he chose us not to be saved, but rather let us, allowed us, permitted us to remain in our our obstinacy to him. So that's to say that we should be full-throated defenders of God's predestination and his jealous love uh, for for humanity, Um, and yet also full defenders of the reality that we are asked in freedom to respond to him, and that we can hold both these together, and I mean, it's complicated to hold them together. You can read books about this too, if you want to reach, reach into this, but it's important that as Catholics, we have this Theresian spirit to us, you know, as Therese says, I choose all, that you should always think when someone comes up to you and pr- tries to put a dialectic or a dilemma to you, you just say, I choose all. <laughs> I, w- I, can, I know, and I don't know how to understand it all, but I choose it all. Like, we don't need to feel that we have to pick and fight battles. We can say, no, God's God's God, and He's entirely God, uh, and we're humans, and we're entirely human, and therefore I'm saved. As insofar as I can be saved, as anyone can be saved, yes, I can say right now, if I'm living the life of grace, I'm confident about that. But I still need to pray for the grace of perseverance. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think that 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 commitment to that commitment to God's agency is something that that resonates. Um, you know, and again, you've you've mentioned how it's a part and parcel of the Dominican school. But I but I find it's something that satisfies when you're having these conversations, right? To insist, okay, that that um, it, when the question is asked, "Are you saved?" If you say yes as a Catholic, you mean I did not do this by my own ability. That the Lord Jesus Christ, who offered yeah. His life for me, His precious blood, is what has spared me. That's what has redeemed me, and that alone is possible. Possible that alone can make it possible for me to have been redeemed. That alone brings it about. I, that that goes a long way to satisfying a lot of the grievances. And now, of course, there are it can be had. how it exactly works out. Of course, the mysteries of the things. Um, you are allowed space. Uh, we all Dominicans uh, know that there was a, a, a long controversy, the Daxilius controversy, it was known the, on the help um, in the 16th century uh, to deal with Dominicans versus Jesuits. This is where there's a rivalry between Je- Dominicans and Jesuits about how to understand, as best one can, the mysteries of human freedom and divine will. And Dominicans tend to be on the side of, we're willing to go, yeah, God has uh, he can work inside our wills right he can work through our free wills and he causes our free will to choose him this sort of thing uh, whereas jesuits are more inclined to say nope God, don't touch the will the free will is free and god just knows what we would do in certain so this is an inside baseball point but it's to say that as catholics it doesn't mean we have to be cocky about the fact that we know how god works there are debates about this. Right. The important part right. is that we hold together both God's God's sovereignty, that he's the one who chooses and is not surprised, and he's not like biting his nails about who's going to be saved. God, outside of time, God's perspective, God chooses and elects and knows who will be saved. And, and it's right, John 10, and Jesus, when he says none will be lost, that he chooses, correct. Inside time from us, our perspective, Hebrews comes in, that we can drop away if we're not attentive to these things. And those are not the same perspective, but they're dealing with the same reality. Now, that's some theological highfalutin stuff. Let's bring it down to some practical matters here. What do we think about, how, how best then in to one, think about salvation, and any tips for dealing with um, this, these questions uh, in our own personal lives? Like, what should we think about how we're free with relation to God and our salvation? And then maybe things that we... That, we might not have thought about praying for and that kind of thing. Any tips there? And I've got some thoughts. Yeah, good, too. definitely. So I think the the first the first obvious one from uh, from our perspective is to say that the grace of perseverance is a thing. It's a real thing that there's a that there is a grace that the Lord will give that will ensure our fidelity to Him, and we should ask for it. I remember a, a friar coming to the novitiate and speaking to us about the grace of perseverance when we were novices, mm-hmm. and it was the first I had ever heard of it, mm-hmm. and I started praying for it immediately. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and I'm very glad I did, and I haven't I haven't let up on it. So yeah, so the so the it's something it's something that uh, it's something that we should be cognizant of, and that we should incorporate in in our spiritual lives. Um, God is faithful; he won't he won't ever withhold the graces we need to be holy in our vocations. We can have a reliance on that. Um, but but praying for the grace of perseverance is a way of asking the Lord to continue to help fix our wills uh, in, according mm-hmm. to His divine plans. So praying for the grace of perseverance, I, I think that's that's one of the most important things we can walk away from. Yeah, and I think the one of the other the image that I have in my mind is that oftentimes we think if if we're going to give us any role in salvation, 
whatever, whatever we talk about, it's sustained in God, but freely responding, whatever we have. If we can lose our salvation, it sounds like we can do something. And then we have the sense that salvation is like this team effort where we both have to show up, and God always shows up at the right place, and then sometimes we choose to show up or not. And that, I think that's the wrong image because it separates us as if he's not always acting on us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the right mm-hmm. image about salvation is the, is the sun uh, beaming down on, the, on, on your room where you are, and you have, and it's always hitting the room. It's always warming. It's always there to be to enlighten one's room. We have to actively do something to reject it. We have to close the blinds. But it's always there for us. So it's not like we have to two of us. We know he's going to meet us, and we go out to meet him in this neutral location or wherever it might be for salvation, and we get ourselves by ourselves. It's rather he wants all to come to salvation. He wants everyone to be saved. Um, it's in the mystery of his will that, even though he could, if he wanted to. That's maybe for a different episode. He he, not everyone is saved, um, but anyone who's not saved, the church teaches, of course, is because you actively resisted the heat, and this isn't like you know, Washington D.C. 100 degrees heat. This is the nice kind of heat that's going to warm you up in the room and get you going for the day. So we have we should realize that that it's it's not really two people working together, but rather the natural occurrence of of God's supernatural grace desiring to draw us towards himself even after our sin and rejection and continuously so but the question is are we faithful to him are we willing to keep those windows open and that and to have confidence that he's always there pouring out the desire and desires all of us and to not not be worried or anxious uh, if we're being attentive and loving him if you can say Jesus I love you and mean it, like not, not not to get scrupulous, but just simply mean it, like you love another person. If you can say, Jesus, I love you, then you can feel confident that the grace is already working and present in you, and then it's a matter of being faithful to it. So I think it's a matter of, of getting the images right in our mind. We've always got to picture God through an images because we just don't see him as he is, and then responding in the right way. Um, but also the final point is do not give anything to these Protestants that talk to you about this one save, always save. They've got nothing, you know? I mean, they've got they've got pieces, fragments. The church has everything together. So we have, so even if you can't say, even if you can't say, I don't know exactly why we get to have your point and my point too. Like I get to have the I get to have waffles and and biscuits for, for breakfast. Um, I know I can have both. I know as a Catholic I can have both. And the only thing I'll leave out is like the bad stuff, you know, margarine or whatever it is. So just feel confident that don't worry, people have thought about this, and it's actually more beautiful in the teaching the deeper you go into it. So uh, that's all I've got. I think that'll... There's plenty more to say about it, and we Dominicans love talking about grace, but we'll turn to you and say thanks for listening to this episode of Godsplaining. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or X as it's called. Like, subscribe, leave a five-star review if you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon. You'll find a link in the description. Uh, you can also follow links to in the description to shop the Godsplain and merch and get information about upcoming Godsplain events. So we just finished our, our young, young adults retreat in Melbourne, Philadelphia, and the schedule continues. There'll be some things we're rolling out in the start of the year, so... Do check that uh, the beautifully aesthetically well laid out uh, website there and pick up any merchandise. But that's enough for us from here. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. God bless. We'll catch you next time on God's Morning. Father Gregory. Tis I. How many goldfish did you have growing up? Um, I think like three. One mostly at state fairs. They didn't last too long, and I flushed them. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, <laughs> God's Planning. <laughs>